it is well with my soul. Amen. It's interesting that that's the song God had running through my head all this week as I was preparing to get up here because I'm really nervous. <laughs> but he's so good. Amen. Um, oftentimes, uh, God wakes me up early in the morning to have time with him. Uh, but this morning when I woke up, he was already talking. And he says, and don't forget <laughs> to take a couple moments and tell everyone how much I love them. Mm. Amen. Um, three weeks ago, Randy asked me to do this and talk about mission in my life. And um, I asked God, okay, so what do you want me to say? And he has flooded me with his compassion for the lost. I just, I've just been overwhelmed to the point where I says, okay, so what do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just have a few things, a couple things where he's using me, but I wanted to give you three things that I've learned since coming to SOMA. Number one, it's not about finding time to be missional. It is not a project. But living out every day my identity as one called by God to share the gospel. Amen. Number two, if I am not looking like Jesus, it's not because I'm not doing enough. It's because I'm not spending enough time with him. Amen. And number three, when it comes to mission, what I need to constantly remember is that Jesus is inviting me into his story. So I need to ask with no reservations to listen and be obedient to what he calls me to. So a couple things that he has called me into. Um, First of all, our MC, which is um, the church of God at its best, his body at its best, people caring for one another and then being on mission together. We've been called into Lincoln High School to work with their football team and um, in many different aspects. But I asked God um, just this spring, um, what is it you want me to specifically do? And um, it was shortly after that that Coach Matt contacted me and um, just to thank me for what I've been doing, which was stuff. (laughs) And um, I was really prompted to say, can I have the names of all your coaches? And there's about 20 of them. And I said, I really want to start praying specifically for those coaches who interact with those kids. Um, And from that, um, now there's been a conversation in our MC about getting together with them so we can put names to faces, that we can really show the love of God to them and show them how much we appreciate them and how we can come alongside of them. Um, Change my page here so I don't get lost. (laughs) Um, The other thing God has um, called me into every day is where I live. Uh, We moved to Tacoma five years ago into a condo, and I thought I knew what that was going to look like, how I was going to let everybody know about Jesus and... um, He had other ideas, (laughs) as he usually does. Um, But um, I'm finding that what it takes is building relationships. It's showing love. It's caring for people in their needs. Um, Because a lot of times they're not ready. Um, They're getting ready. After five years, they're starting to get ready. (laughs) We have one couple who refuses to talk about anything spiritual. And yet Ron and I have 
pursued them, um, and they fully know that we love Jesus. And yet they invite us into their home. Um, they want to spend time with us. They even invite us when we're on vacation to visit their home in Arizona and spend time with them there. I don't know what God's doing. <laughs> I don't have to. I just need to daily ask him and, and be about what he's doing. I'm sure I've run way over my five minutes. So, <laughs> so um, I want to leave you with Philippians 2, 1 through 8, and I'll read it. Um, this is the, verse, the verses that God has just constantly given me to undergird what it means to be missional. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in a form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Hey, man. Thank you, sister, for sharing. You can just you can take that. Okay. Thank you so much. And, and Jesus, I just want to lift up uh, the Odeman and uh, pray your blessings on them right now and uh, pray for that, uh, that neighbor and those neighbors, for them to see the light that is within them um, in the Odemans would be something that would increasingly become more and more attra- attractive that it would be a sweet-smelling aroma that leads to eternal life so that people were around where they live would come to know you through their obedience. And Jesus, I pray that you'd protect the Odmans and keep them in the game because it's easy to get discouraged when things aren't happening and we're not seeing results. But we don't worship results, we worship you. So bless them with your sustaining presence. Give them perseverance. But we pray, Jesus, bring about fruit so that people that are on the road to perishing would come to everlasting life in Jesus' name. Bless them. Bless their missional community at Lincoln High School in Jesus' name. Fill them up, overflowing. Amen. Amen. Well, I just kind of want to piggyback and continue on with what we're going to be talking about this morning. And a lot of what we're having people share on stage with these kind of missional moments like what Janice just shared is, is simple obedience. We're being encouraged by simple obedience uh, to Jesus Christ. And that's really what, what God is after. When we step out and we, we obey and do the simple things that the scripture calls us to do, there's a simple passage there called to serve others, listen to others, care for others. We should have this expectancy that God's going to start doing stuff. That God's going to start showing up within us and doing stuff from us to others. And we, we begin to start doing things just not merely in the natural where we're giving food or listening to stories, but all of a sudden God starts showing up in the middle of all that and he does miraculous things. And he opens eyes and he confronts sin and he, he just reveals his presence and he brings about change. But it begins with simple obedience. 
And, and that's why it's important for us to be hearing these kind of stories. We need to be encouraged, like, wait a second, like, because sometimes we can overcomplicate this stuff. It's, it's these simple acts where we're, we're looking at God and we're saying, okay, God, we, we trust that you're going to show up if we obey because we trust you and your word and, what, and your presence that's with us. We believe you're the God who shows up. And, and that's a big part of belief in Jesus. It isn't merely agreeing with truths about Jesus. I think sometimes, especially in our culture, we can believe that. It's trusting in the very presence of Jesus to where we start doing the stuff that Jesus did in his own earthly ministry. And I don't know if you ever read through the Gospels, there's some wild stuff Jesus does. And he, he expects us to be reading his book, reading those accounts, and us to be expecting him to be doing that stuff in and through us. Do you expect that from him? Do you expect him to even do that kind of stuff this morning with us? Do I expect that? I mean, I wrestle with that sometimes. Do I expect him to show up and do stuff? And I think the Bible's kind of clear, too. If we don't expect God to show up and do stuff, I think it, it's clear he, he's, he's, he can be fine with us, with him not doing anything. He'll, he'll pull back. He might not even do anything. He's like, okay, you guys can play the following God thing, and I'll just step back here and watch. In fact, this week, I'd been mulling over this verse um, where Jesus, you know, Jesus sometimes, he did a lot of these miracles. In some places he went to, uh, the miracles, he, he kind of withheld. He said he couldn't do them. And it's not, it's not a problem with his power. Because on one account, I was reading Mark and Matthew's version of Jesus not doing these miracles. And he, it said he did some miracles. So it's not like an issue of his power. But, but, but in the Matthew account, Matthew 13, 58, you can look up this up if you want later, but Matthew clearly states that he refrained from performing miracles because there was unbelief. They were kind of just looking at Jesus with carnal eyes and there was no expectation, there was no trust. Like he's, he's here to do something. And I don't know, I was really convicted by that because sometimes I can think about God in such a passive way. He's going to do everything, and I'm just going to sit back, and hopefully he does something. And I feel like God says, I did do something. Why aren't you taking it and running with it? We're supposed to respond. We're supposed to release what he's already given us and expect him to keep doing stuff that blows our minds again and again and again. But sometimes I feel like the church, Big C Church, but I think it's us included, me included, like we kind of just, we can get so worldly in our thinking. We just don't expect anymore. It's only what we see is what we believe. But we're supposed to be kingdom-minded. It's the unseen that God's operating in. Not that the scene is illegitimate. It's awesome. There's good stuff to be used here. But, but there's a power working behind all this to the glory of Jesus Christ. And if we don't take it and step in, like we, 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 I guess what I'm saying is we have to learn to entrust ourselves to the awesome presence of God. Have any of you guys ever jumped out of an airplane? I mean, Anybody jump out of Raise your hand. We had to trust a parachute to open up. Well, I, I, I remember when I went, I was in Army school, and I went training to jump out of airplanes, and in the classroom setting, it was super easy to get logical about the fact that the chute's going to open up. It's been, do, it's been done for many years. People all are, they've tested it out for many years, trying it out, all this kind of stuff, and I was just convinced, like, okay, yeah, this is going to be safe. Sorry, it's going to be a little crazy, but it's going to be safe. But when you, get up, when you actually get up in the plane, and you're wearing the gear, and the countdown starts happening, and you look out the door, you're just like, oh, dear God, is this shoe going to open? Is this going to open? 
I hope this opens. All of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know if I trust that the shoe's going to open. I know the guy said in the classroom that it's going to open, but is it going to open? And then you start seeing the bodies go out, and you're like, oh, man, here it goes. And you jump, and you're just like crying out to God, whether you know God or not. You just start crying out to him. <laughs> God, please save me. And when that thing opens, and when it opens, like, poof, all of a sudden, and this is the kind of airplane I jumped out of. It was, it was way more abrupt and crazy. Um, but you look up, and you're like, wow, it worked. It really does work. Whoa. This is awesome. I can trust the shoot. Okay, this works. It does work. And I, I say that, and, and, the, and the more you do it, the more you grow in confidence. You're like, okay, it's going to grab me when I throw myself, when I throw my physical body out of this craft, this perfectly good aircraft that gives you no reason to jump out of other than they tell you to do it. It's, I'm, something's going to catch me. And you start getting more confidence. And, and I think there's something, there's a metaphor there for the Christian life. I think we struggle with believing God's really going to show up. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm finally becoming, I'm finally getting eyes on myself that I actually struggle with it. That it's really hard for me to sit back, put away my notes, come before you guys and say, okay, Lord, what do you really want to do this morning? I'm actually kind of afraid to ask him that. And I'm talking about, I'm afraid not when I don't assume what he's going to say, when I actually listen and calm myself down and pay attention. It kind of freaks me out because when you read the Bible, God has us do some crazy stuff. And then when it gets down to it, I'm like, I don't know if he's actually going to be there when I do it. Is he going to catch me? Is he going to hold me? I know the Bible teacher says so, but is he when I go out there and do this stuff? And I think sometimes we, 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 it keeps us from jumping out. And we stay back and we're like, no, 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 no. Let's talk more theology. Let's just reason more and get more principles down and follow principles. Let's just think about stuff and having stuff. Let's think about formulas and figure out the formula to follow. And these are all stuff from the culture, scientific uh, rationalization, materialism, all these things come swimming in and they seep their ways into the church and we find ourselves, we think we're believers, but we're actually unbelievers. We're believing unbelievers and we're not really putting our hope in Jesus in situations and, and, and kind of taking a risk and seeing, is he going to catch us? I, at least that's for me. Maybe you're, you don't struggle with that, but I do. I do. I struggle with that. And God's not calling us to trust in the things we have, the, the right formula, or, or knowledge. We live in the information age. Knowledge equals power. The more you know, the better off you are. God didn't call us to trust in that. Those things are all good. But that's not where we put our trust in. That's not our, our security. It's God calls us to dependency on him. For us to be kind of taking these leaps out of the airplane on a daily basis and saying, oh, he does catch us. He really is here. He really is doing stuff. He's, he's up to something. The posture for us as a people of God, we're supposed to be the kind of people where we're known for. Those are the people that hang out with the living God. I don't know what God's going to do in their midst, but if you want to go see what God's going to do, go check out those guys. And sometimes I feel like the church isn't known for that. We're not known for that, I don't think. We just know about the right things to say about God, but... I don't feel like we're the place people are coming to to see what God's actually going to be up to in real time. 
But you know he's here right now and he's up to stuff right now. He's here. He's here. He's walking among us. But we can look the other way and not really engage and commune. Or we can choose to enter and engage and be wild. In fact, that's what we're... That's why I titled the, uh, the, the series that we're, we're in, Awesome Presence, that, that I'm kicking off today. It's our new series for, for Joshua. And that word awesome is defined as uh, a causing or in, inducing awe. Inspiring an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, apprehension, or even fear. In fact, a lot of, there's places in the Bible where you use the word awe, but you could easily change it for fear. There's just this like, whoa! Like jumping out of the plane, looking at my shoe, whoa, the power of all that. This is awe-inspiring. I'm shaking to the core. And I read this quote from A.W. Tozer last week. I want to read it again. He says this, this really smart um, Jesus guy a long time ago said this. Uh, I, don't, I don't got anything other than that. More, more spiritual progress can be made in one short moment of speechless silence in the, mom- in the awesome presence of God than in years of mere study. And I just think that cuts at the core of our culture that says it is so much about what you know up here versus, God, what do you want to do? Because you're real. And you're here. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I think sometimes... It can be hard for us, even on stage right now, when, I, when we ask that question, God, what do you want to do? And we're silent. It gets awkward. And I think it, inside we feel all of a sudden this tension. Do you feel it sometimes? I'm like, God, what do you want to do? Let's just stop and listen. And you feel fear or angst. Like, what is he going to do? What is he going to show up? I'm just trying to capture a moment right now, and I'm just trying to say, that's what I'm talking about, how we can easily like, just stifle God. Like, we don't do that stuff because it's like, well, what, well that's awkward. If we're quiet and we listen, is he going to show up or say anything? What's going to happen next? And God loves to take us in that place. But what we have to, what he wants to teach us to do is like relax. Relax. He'll he'll lead. He'll show. So as we go on in the, uh, uh, this, this, this awesome presence in the book of Joshua, I, I just, I'm kind of giving you, I'm kind of revealing all my cards. Like that's just, I, I'm hoping God's going to take us on a journey where, where that just becomes very normal for us to stop and just listen. It's like, what do you want to say, God? And, and, and he, we really start seeing him move and lead in the gathering in our missional communities in our life where we're telling stories and sharing. God is doing stuff. Just like what Janice shared, what Lisa, my wife shared, what others have shared when they've been up on these missional moments, he's already doing it, but I'm praying for more of it. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a thing, man. We're, we're all talking about it. So that's where we're going with this series. I hope you're excited about that. And if you're not, I hope Jesus gets you there because uh, it's going to be awesome because it's awesome presence. And so it has to be awesome. And then, so for this week, what I'm doing, um, the next couple weeks are going to be overview week, weeks. And today I'm just going to touch on chapter 
1, 1 through 9, very briefly, um, kind of set things in the wider story that Joshua finds itself in and just kind of highlight in the book why I came up with awesome presence. Okay, it's not because I just like the word awesome. I, I do like the word, but there's things in, the, in, in this book that I think are just really, just that phrase comes out. Next week um, is also overview as well. Derek Hebert's going to be up here, and he's going to kind of help navigate through the crazy bloodshed and conquests and warfare stuff we see in the book of Joshua. Um, he's going to help us reconcile violence and warfare um, brought, brought about by God's calling with this Jesus who says, love your enemies, right? And so we need some help with that. We've got to navigate through that. Um, and he's going to do that next week. So I, I gave him the hard stuff. I'm taking the easy stuff. Amen. And then, so yeah, he'll be here next week doing that. He doesn't know that yet, by the way, so don't tell him. Let me tell him. No, I'm just joking. Uh, then the week after that's Easter. So you have these next few weeks, like, this is the prime the pump. Get, get the book of Joshua opened up. Begin reading it. Read it in your missional communities. I'll send you stuff. I'll, uh, us and the, the elder team was praying this week. It's about some ideas to share with you. I'll share that stuff with you later on today, leaders. But begin opening up the book and start reading it. Let's, let's get into this together. But let's read out loud Joshua 1, 1 through 9. All right. Is it up? Joshua 1, 1 through 9. All right, let's read it. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Joshua marks a major transition in God's Bible. To appreciate it, um, just to set it in the um, wider context, there's this guy, Abraham, who was called from worshiping these foreign gods to worshiping the true supreme God over all. And from Abraham, God birthed this nation, Israel. And Israel ended up getting enslaved into Egypt, okay? And that wasn't a fun time for them. God hears their cries and he rescues them through Moses, this leader Moses. And God brings Israel to Mount Sinai where this really key thing happened. God gives them the covenant and commandments, basically God's word to follow and obey. And God leads them through the wilderness. 
And before they head into the promised land, Moses calls them to obey. He's pleading with them. Please remember the words of God and obey. And he wants to make sure God's people live into the people God made them to be, that God rescued them to be from way earlier on when he rescued them out of Egypt. And Exodus 19 says it. It says, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God saved them. He set them apart so that they would worship God, but not just worship God, be on display to other nations of who God is and what he's like. That's the people of God. And that's what God told Abraham. I'm going to make you into this big family so that all other families, other nations will be blessed through your family. And now we come to Joshua, and we hit this major transition period for God's people. And really, there's, just, there's a lot of crazy questions Israel has to wrestle with and ask. Because Joshua picks up right after Moses dies, which is a really big deal. They made it to the promised land, but are they now going to obey and receive God's blessing? Or are they going to disobey? They're wrestling with that. Is, now Moses is gone. His leadership is no longer there. His leadership was so much a part of the identity of Israel up until then. So much a part of it. So now what's going to happen now that Moses is dead? What's this Joshua guy? What is he going to do? Is he going to be able to hear God the way Moses did? Is he going to walk with God and be empowered by God the way Moses was? That's, that's a new thing for them. That's a big transition. Israel was nomadic up until this point. What will it look like for them to be rooted in one place? This is going to be their very own land, their very own inheritance from God. What is that going to be like? And Israel's going from mostly being isolated into the wilderness. Now they're going to be surrounded by all these nations that don't know the God that they worship. There are all these other gods that they're worshiping. So what's that going to be like? They're going to be completely immersed into all these other nations. How will Israel live among foreign nations? Will Israel help the nations know the creator God, Yahweh? Or will they become like these other nations themselves? How will Israel handle this major transition? In the midst of God's promises he's, that we just read, he's, he says, I'm going to give you the land. It's, it's kind of like he's talking about, like, it's already yours. Where you're, where you're walking, it's already yours. It's yours for the taking. You got it. It's your land. I'm going to be with you. There's still a step of faith that's required. That hit me when I was meditating on this chapter. They have to arise and go. Their souls have to tread on the ground. They have to look at these other nations and see their might and see their big walls. They have to go. They have to take. They have to look and see. They have to trust. They have to step out of the plane. Like, it's crazy. Like, and they're wrestling with, the, what's going to happen? I don't know. It kind of feels good to me when I think about my life. And all the, the unexpectancy, you're just like, oh, okay, I find out the Bible speaks to me. Not much has changed since then. Transitions are kind of scary. We have to actually get up and go and walk. I will be with you. It's yours. I think sometimes when I say, but, but, but can you just give it to me, God? Can I just stay here and you somehow just make it all happen before I actually go? He's like, no, it's yours. I'll be with you. Trust me. Now go. That's hard. Going to knock on your neighbor's door and for the umpteenth time having that conversation, I bet, with the Odinans, like, what's going to happen now? That's hard. I know it's, e it's simple, but it's hard. Like, what is going to happen? In this book, it's bloody. God's asking him, calling him to do really hard things. God calls us to do really hard things. Life is tough. 
But God says, I'm with you. Go. <laughs> I'm with you. Go. But wait, no. I get, no, I'm with you. Go. God wants to take us out into places where we're, we're always feeling vulnerable. Doesn't that feel weird? It's like, God, why are you so mean? I don't want to feel vulnerable. He wants to make you feel vulnerable. But here's the good news. He wants to make you feel vulnerable so you don't rely on the things that you tend to rely on that aren't really him. He wants you to feel vulnerable so you start falling on him and letting him hold you in deeper, deeper ways. So it's super gracious of him to make us feel vulnerable. But man, we need to. It's good to feel foolish or worried about feeling foolish and getting the shakes like, oh, am I supposed to do that? Like, yeah, it is freaky, but that's your flesh. It needs to be put to death, and you just got to do it. And, God's, and you're going to see, oh, the chute opened. He's there. He's here. That's what Israel's needing right now. Like, oh, okay, I know you said you're going to be with me. I wonder what Joshua's thinking. But are you going to be with me like you were with Moses? Are you really going to be there? But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do the Christian life that's all figured out. I don't want that. And, I, I just, man, I don't ever want to be a church that's like that. If you're looking for that church, man, I hope to God we never become that church. And, yeah, that's just not what, what I want it to be. I want us to always be in a place of vulnerability, taking risks and looking foolish for the sake of Jesus. Because I want him to, because I believe he'll show up and he'll do stuff. And he'll bring about transformation. We can manufacture all kinds of stuff in his name and it's crap. It's not him. It's not him. Guys, and I've done it. I don't want it. I want to, God, please sanctify us from that. Because he will show up. He wants to. And in chapter one, the, the, a key thing, though, I want to point out, when he says he's going to be present, he, there's this command that comes, be strong and courageous, be bold. And what's important here, the basis for that kind of obedience to be bold and to be strong in the presence of God I just want to highlight here, really briefly, is a meditation on God's word. And that word meditate, it means to mutter. It's muttering over scripture day and night. Being intentional to be careful to do all that is written in it. It's, it's like it's, a, it's, it's being absorbed in your body is meditating on the word. It's consuming your thoughts and your mind and your heart. Psalm 1-2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. He mutters. He thinks about it. He considers it. It absorbs the person, the inner, inner person, day and day, day and morning. And we need that kind of anchor if we're going to be people who take risks and jump out of the plane, for Christ's sake. Because we're going to look like fools. You're just going to look like a fool. God's not trying to rescue from you looking like a fool. He's rescuing you from yourself. And that's going to take you looking like a fool for his name's sake. So you need to be anchored on the word because the world and others are going to tell you all kinds of stuff. Even Christians. I might even do it sometimes if I'm in the flesh. I pray God keeps me from that. But we, we say stuff that's well-meaning, but it just diverts us from being a fool for Christ. And we need to be settled in God's word. It needs to be renewing our minds. Because we're getting so familiar with who God is and what he's like from his word. We're beginning to hear him and do stuff like what we see in Joshua. Walking around a 
nation, Jericho, six times in circles is the military strategy there of taking out a nation. You walk around Jericho six times so that the one, at, one, at, the, at the seventh day, the wall would come, Trump, you know, would come falling down and you'd, you'd take them. Like, like, I wouldn't come up with that plan. No general in the military would come up with that plan. That's ridiculous. But God did. And that's not in the Bible. Joshua wasn't like, okay, let me read, you know, whatever, verse, you know, chapter and verse. Okay, walk around six times, and God's going to make the wall fall down on the seventh day, and it's all going to work out. It's not, he didn't read that in the Bible. He had to just do what God was telling him in the moment. But what he was grounded in is chewing and muttering the words of God that said, okay, God, I noticed in your word you tend to be a little outside the box. So this is probably you. And I'm going to trust you right now. We need God's word to be our anchor. You guys get what I'm saying? So if you're not in his word and you're wondering why you're not really taking risks for Jesus, don't wonder that anymore. You got to get in the word. We need to get in the word. We need to let the words just be absorbed in us. Okay, what I want to do is um, just show, yeah, show us, just highlight throughout this why it's so important that meditating on Scripture day and night is, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Okay, here's what, here's what I was going to say. The point of meditating on Scripture day and night, muttering the word, is at the end of the, at the, if you read that section that we just read in Joshua 1 through 9, it bookends the meditate on scripture is bookended by the presence of God. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He says it before it, and it says it at the very end in verse 9. I, he says it again. I, do not be dismayed. I will be with you. And the point of the word is to have us lean not on our understanding, but on God's understanding in the moment. Okay? That's why I was using that Jericho little like, piece there. And so what I want to show is just... So here's how the sections of uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua, is broken up. And, and I just want to highlight the awesome presence of God and why his presence and leaning and depending on his awesome presence over ours is so key to this book. So the sections of chapters basically one through five is, is a section many break up and says this is kind of God sending. This is where Joshua leads Israel, okay? And what's so crazy, the thing I want to highlight here, in chapter two, What's so amazing, what Israel finds out, Joshua finds out also, is that God actually, his awesome presence goes before them. They don't even need to be there. God's already doing a work. Joshua sends out spies like Moses did in his day, but it, it goes a lot better. There's a Canaanite Rahab who, who ends up turning and, and following after God. In Joshua 2.9, Rahab says this to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. And verse 11, she says, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. Who told Rahab that? Who told her that? God. I bet the spies are like, whoa, they got it. We, we totally are going to take, wow, God, I mean, they're already trembling, and they haven't even showed up in force. And they're terrified. Their hearts are melted. 
No spirit left in any man? God can do that? Yes, he can. He absolutely can. Israel already defeated Jericho, and they didn't even show up yet. Wow. So that's what we got to look forward to as we go through this book. Um, Chapters 3 through 4 in that same section. God's presence in that cool section, he parts the Jordan River. Kind of like what he did with Moses and Israel through the Red Sea. And in Joshua 3, 6, there's a really cool point here. It says that he had the priest take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. And I just want to make mention there, the Ark of the Covenant is a key, key thing in this book. It's, and it's actually what led Jericho around as well, too. It's the presence of God is what leads. That's what the book's trying to get a hold of. As God's preparing to send um, and, and is sending Israel, he's saying, let my presence lead. Let the priests lead. Let the Ark of the Covenant lead. And that's powerful. That's powerful. Because, again, when you think about military victory and fighting, put the biggest guns, big, biggest weapons up front. But what does God say? Put the Ark of the Covenant and the people without weapons up front. What is that? That, that needs to get our attention. It's not by might. It's not by chariots. It's not by horses. It's by the power of God. That's what brings salvation. That's what brings power and might. That's what brings about a real work. And then chapter 5, really crazy scene here. Before they fight and take the land, Joshua has this powerful, interesting encounter with the angelic commander of God's army. In verses 13 to 14, basically Joshua probably freaked out. He looks at him, he says, are you for us or for our enemies? And the angel responds, he says, neither. And I watched the Bible Project on this. By the way, watch the Bible Project on this whole overview of the book. They do a phenomenal job. And I'm not going to be able to even cover everything that I have. So make sure you watch that. But I love what they said about this piece right here. They said, the real question wasn't Joshua's question. The real question, God's making it clear, is whether Joshua's on God's side. That's what, that's what God's trying to get Joshua's attention with. Because it's not about Israel versus the Canaanites. God's making it clear. This isn't Joshua's battle. This isn't Israel's battle. This is God's battle. God has a plan. God has a mission. God has a way he's going to do things. Now the question is, Joshua, Israel, are you going to be for me? Are you going to be with me? Are you going to be listening to me? Are you going to be doing it in my way, in my time? Are you going to wait and trust on me? And what was Joshua's response? He fell on his face and worshiped God. Take off your shoes, for you are on holy ground. That's what was told, just like Moses at the burning bush, and worship. And I think that was a big picture for Israel and for Joshua. This is going to be won by getting on your face and worshiping and getting very close to the awesome presence of God. And don't think you get special treatment because you have a relationship with me. The relationship is so that you keep coming to me and asking me, what's next? What's next? You're God, I'm not. What's next? And family, if we don't wake up to the fact that we have something within us called the flesh that has a proclivity and a culture around us that has a proclivity to say, not God's way, my way, we will tend to assume we know what's best. And in Christian circles, it happens too easy. Well, we just get up, play a song, and do a sermon, and take communion, and go about our day, assuming, well, God's good with that. Well, is he? Did we ask him? And I'm not, and some of you guys are like, well, Randy, do we even do that? No, I, like, 
It's just so easy to assume we know what God wants and what pleases God. We don't ask him. We don't bend our ear towards him. God, what do you want? What do you want? God, take my heart, make it yours, okay? So that means put to death the flesh that wants to assume you and go my own way. I want to go your way. I want you what you want. And throughout all Joshua, what, what, what we see, um, I'm, I'm just going to just highlight a couple of big things. Don't worry about the slides, Stephanie. I, I, what I'm going to do is highlight a couple of things. It, that same thing runs throughout. Israel's either going to trust when they fight Jericho and do some crazy stuff that looks idiotic and like they're actually going to get crushed, but then God shows up. Or someone's going to disobey and do something foolish and God's going to let them lose and get beat up until there's this take it seriously and they repent and they start obeying. And then God all of a sudden kicks butt and does some amazing stuff. And God just make it clear throughout the book, are you going to trust in my awesome presence? Or are you going to go your own way? At the very end, of Joshua 24, the, uh, one of the famous lines in the book of Joshua, Joshua's old, God delivered on everything he said he was going to deliver on, and then some, it was just amazing, it's every detail, even from back when he promised stuff to Abraham, he was just delivered on it all, and Joshua, before he's dying, he says this, he goes, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, this is chapter 24, verse 14, Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. That's worship the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what it presses on the reader, what it presses on us, will you serve the Lord? Because at any given moment, we have a proclivity to say, not you, me. But will you serve the Lord? Will you choose? Will you make the choice? Will you take the intention to say, God, not my way, but yours? And so that's kind of what I want to land us on is, are you for God? Are you for God? Now, if you're in Christ Jesus, the good news is he's for you. And we have such a better revelation than Joshua did. Jesus, the better Joshua, the better Moses, he is the leader that he executes all of it and actually he dies, but he rises again. Joshua dies and we see at the end he's buried and there's no more Joshua, there's no more Moses, but Jesus, he died and he rose again and he brings us into a safe home through faith in him where we have an eternal relationship with God. There's grace and forgiveness. All your righteousness isn't in what you do, it's on Christ. And so he offers that. But in our relationship with him, he saves us to that so that we keep going to him, asking, what does please you? What is on your heart? And some of us, we've bought into a cheap grace doctrine that says, once you're saved by Jesus, you can do whatever you want. That is a load of crap. That's not biblical. You can't do what you want. In fact, if you're saved in Christ's name, you have a heart that says, I don't want to do what I want. I got saved from that. I want to do what Jesus wants. I want to worship God. I want to follow him. I want to give him my life. Now, if you don't know Jesus, what we're talking about here is craziness. You have to be saved. You have to have a new heart. And without that, there's condemnation. And you should be, when we talk about the awesome presence, you should be utterly terrified and want to run out of this room or fall on your face and worship him because he gave his son to die for you. He loves you. He loves every one of us here. And if you're a Christian here struggling, like, man, I don't really step out. Well, guess what? I struggle. I'm in that same place. Today's the day. You get to ask, oh, Lord, what do you want to do with me right now? What do you want to do with me? In fact, that's what we're going to ask right now. Lord, what do you want to do?
So, Brittany, you can come up here. But I want us just to sit with this just quietly and put this to practice. And leaders, I'll, I'll send out a note, too, with some of these outlines. I didn't hit on all this stuff, but, um, but I, I feel like this is what the Lord wants. I, I, can't, I can't be up here. I, yeah, I'm just going off of my convictions, family, um, and, and I, I hope that's what you want. Um, but I want us just to listen right now, and I want us to have a heart, a posture right now, and I want us to relax, too. Let's not get all religious and freaked out here, like, oh, gosh, what is God going to do? Because that's just... God's probably like, well, what I want to do now is calm you down and just chill out because I love you and I'm here. So just listen to me. And so I just, we're going we're gonna to listen right now and just see what God wants to do next. Okay? It'll be fun. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your awesome word. And I don't want to assume what you want to do next. I want to keep taking this posture of what do you want to do? Lord, and uh, you put it on my heart to do this right here, just to do it together as a family. What do you want to do? Jesus, yeah, what do you want to say to us? We're all yours. Come Holy Spirit.